So we are in episode three of season four of Going Beyond Salvation, and I'm your host, Jess Robinson. And uh, today, uh, this is the last part of the podcast for the New Testament. We are finishing out the book of Luke and jumping into John. Uh, So where we're jumping in into the book of Luke is we start off in the crucifixion uh, and... There's just some areas here where where it's a little bit different from Matthew and Mark. Uh, there, you know, Luke brings different perspective as well into the crucifixion. Doesn't mean that it's any part is invalid. It's just adding into the witness, and we see there is women who are mourning and and women are wailing for him, and he turns and he essentially, you know, tells them to not weep for the time is going to be, he's, he's talking about, you know, he's pointing to later on in the future. And so, and then there was two other men, they're both criminals. Uh, they were led out to be executed. Uh, generally at this point in time, they were probably political, um, insurrectionists, uh, that were crucified with him. And then there was seven sayings that Christ had in the end. And they were, they're spoken in the following order. Uh, was the word of, of, of forgiveness, Father, forgive them. The word of salvation, today you will be with me in paradise. The word of love, dear woman, here is your son, here is your mother. And that's actually in in the book of John. And then at some point, no words were repeated for for a little bit. And finally, when he is about to die, it was the word of spiritual suffering. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, In Mark, uh, the word of physical suffering, I am thirsty. In the book of John. The word of triumph, it is finished in the book of John. And then the word of committal, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And that's in this book. So that's what ends up happening. And we see also um, the exchange between Jesus and one of the criminals. Uh, just, so, you know, showing. Uh, he says, you know, you're going to be with me in paradise. And one, and, and. You know, I've heard my pastor preach a, a sermon about the two criminals crucified with Jesus. You have one who mocks Jesus and totally unrepentant. And you have one that is sitting there, you know, is there dying with him. And he's like, he doesn't deserve it. And he's repentant of, of his sins. And that's just something that we really need to think about in our own lives is making sure that we're not mocking God and and thinking that we're invinci- you know invincible and and all of that because you never know when you're going to die. So they they end up dying and um and he passes away and he commits his spirit to the Lord and then it just jumps to his burial. And we we know that uh, Joseph of of Arimathea 
you know, we find out he didn't consent to, to the council's decision. And he gets Jesus's body, as, as we know, puts him in the tomb. And then there was the women who, who had come with Jesus from Galilee. They saw the tomb and then they went and prepared the spices. And then there was the Sabbath. And in the Sabbath, they rested, uh, showing that they, they still respected the, the Jewish traditions. And then they we have the resurrection that happens. Now, in between all three of them, uh, there's always a, a different a names and how names were recorded were different back then. And so, yes, you're going to see different women showing up and how many women show up. But we see that, you know, the consistency is he first appears to women and the women see angels and then they see them or they see him. And they remember, you know, they see him. And we see here in this story or in this book that their words were not believed. And in that time period, a woman could not testify. And so this was significant that Jesus appeared to, to a woman first. And, um, but we see that Peter... He, he does get up and he goes, checks it out. And now we do know that it was at both Peter and John and it'll actually be hilarious. We'll, we'll go into this part at some point in the book of John and they see the strips of linen and they walk away going, what's going on now, Luke in this store or in in his book he he puts in the the road to Emmaus the other two do not and then God or John does not put that in his gospel either doesn't discredit or anything but it adds to to the resurrection story so we have two disciples that are walking uh to a village called Emmaus and as they're talking to each other, Jesus appears to them and, you know, acts totally clueless. They don't recognize that it's him. He's in his resurrected body. They're going, dude, you are totally clueless. Share with him and share with this man about what had happened to Jesus. And then Jesus, you know, speaks to them and says, you know, how foolish you are. And he goes from, you know, starts with Moses and all the prophets and he explains what the scriptures were concerning himself. And and the Messiah and his redemptive work through suffering is a central Old Testament theme. And he probably cited, you know, several passages through the Bible that that pointed to him. Well, then they get to the village of Emmaus and Jesus acts like he's going to go farther, but they stop him and they take him and he gives thanks. He, he starts giving thanks for bread and their eyes are instantly opened and they instantly, you know, he, he vanishes, but they return at once and they tell him, we just saw him. We just saw him. So, and share what they saw. 
and then we get Jesus does appear to his disciples and each one's different how he appears to the disciples. Now, this one is more concise, more in depth about what happens. And we'll see in the book of John 2, another time he appears to his disciples. Now, he appeared to his disciples for over a period of 40 days uh, that we know. And so when people go, oh, you know, this is all we get discredit, you know, how he appeared to his disciples. He appeared to his disciples many times during the period of 40 days. And so you can't discredit. And, and each author puts in, you know, a scene. And this is what Luke does. And we're... They're startled and frightened. They think he's a ghost and he shows them that his, his scars, his physical body and, and that he can eat. And they're, they're like, wow, they're amazed. And he opens their minds so they can understand the scripture and see Luke. This is so crucial to understanding the book of Acts because Luke is attributed to as the writer to the book of Acts. And we'll share that when we get to the book of Acts and so he opens their minds so they could understand the scripture and, and shares with them that the Christ had to suffer from the dead and on the third day and, and rise from and rise from the dead on the third day, there would be repentance and forgiveness of sins. It will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem and he tells them, you are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in, in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And what it is, is he's talking about this gift is the Holy Spirit. And that the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon them at Pentecost. And he calls them witnesses. And we are called witnesses for Christ. But in order to witness, you have you have to be baptized in the in the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's where many you know you I you know there's many churches out there that you know really come down and say no you it's bad you know the the, the Holy Spirit that's that's done and over with and that's you know satanic what you're getting into. No, it's not. It's biblical. You see in these churches, they lack the power to witness and the power to pray. Where churches that seek after the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, it empowers you to witness. It empowers you to pray. It empowers you in your walk with with God. And you, it's so crucial and so Luke really emphasizes this, that they had to go to Jerusalem. They had to wait until the Holy Spirit empowered them before they could go out and be witnesses. And then he, he briefly goes into the ascension here, but he'll go into more in depth about it in, in the book of Acts. And so that is the book of Luke. And so we are going to take a quick break and then we're going to jump into the book of John. Oh. 
we are in the book of John. We, Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, are known as the Synoptic Gospels, which pretty much means similar because there's a lot uh, that is similar to, to their Gospels. Yes, each one attributed different things, but generally they uh, are similar and in, in what they uh, write about. Then we have John. Uh, John is the disciple. It's not John the Baptist, but John the disciple. Um, and we'll see that he attributes to him, himself as the one whom Jesus loves over and over again. He was very confident in that. And uh, John's gospel is known as a supplemental gospel. Uh, he attributes different things. Uh, he does have the the feeding of uh, and the feeding, the feeding of the five thousand. Uh, he does have that as well as as the other three gospels that we have. However, John attributes to different things, um, and we look to John's gospel to supplement wherever the synoptics doesn't have, where there's an empty space in the timeline. And we, John's very good about some of the descriptions he uses, some of the feasts he talks about. That's where we know a lot about Christ and where on the timeline it is at. Uh, and the thing about John is as we begin into this book, you may wonder, well, why didn't John write about these things? Or, well, not John, but why did the other three not write about these things? And, and what we're going to get into in the first four chapters, especially, is it's the first year of Jesus's ministry that in Judea that the others don't really write about. They write about the baptism that he goes through and then he goes into the wilderness and then they have him go into Galilee. Now there's there's more to it. Jesus had a first year of ministry. We don't know why. We just know maybe the Holy Spirit didn't lead those three to write about it. And we also wonder if John is was maybe also a disciple of John the Baptist and that's why he writes these things because he was there. So We'll go along and discuss these things as we go and, and kind of put them into the timeline. Now, some of it we won't be able to put into the actual timeline of the synoptics, but it doesn't matter. It's part of the gospel and it adds so much more because there's so much in depth to it. It doesn't disqualify John as, as a writer and, and that the Holy Spirit didn't speak to him. We will see other writings of, of the, the disciple John later on in the New Testament that are profound. And, and I just love the book of John. So let's just jump into the book of John. And in chapter one, it's this beautiful writing. Like, I just love John. He's just such a writer that but what we see is he starts, you know, where, where, you know, Luke starts at the beginning with, you know, the, you know, how the, the, how John the Baptist came about. And we have, you know, Matthew and, and Luke that talk about the birth of Jesus and where Mark, he starts at the, 
you know, in, as Jesus as an adult, we have John. He starts at the very beginning, back in Genesis, essentially, because the word that is described here, it says, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's Jesus. He's talking about Jesus because Jesus is the word. And, you know, he, he calls Jesus the word and he uses, and the word, Greek word here is logos, which, you know, where we get logo and all of that from. And he presents him as the personal word of God and that, you know, indicates that in these last days, God has spoken to us. He, he presents Jesus as the word that was spoken. And there's this, in verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. It's, it's referring that he's the light. And it goes back to, actually, there is tradition among uh, some Jewish people, as this is probably referring to the light at creation because the sun and the moon was not created until later in creation. But, you know, he's the light. He is the light that penetrates the darkness of sin. He jumps into talking about that John came to witness, to testify concerning that light so that all, you know, all men might believe, you know, he was not the light, but only a witness. And it immediately jumps back into Jesus that he was in the world and the world did not recognize him. They didn't receive him. And it was because, you know, the lie of, of Satan, you know, that this, you know, Satan and, and his lies have, have clouded their minds. However, you know, we jump into it and it says, Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that is so true for us today, that when we believe and receive him, we have that right to become children of God. You know, we're not born of natural descent, but born of God. And it talks about that Jesus became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. That we saw his, that we saw his glory, the glory, the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. It's grace and truth that come together in this. Because you know, as as John explains later on, the law was given through Moses, and because of that, we realize that we could not fulfill the law. We see the continual rejection from you know Israel that and they couldn't follow it. They couldn't follow it, but it was through the Father with grace and truth through Jesus. Jesus comes with grace and truth to fulfill the law. And so we we get into the book of John and. We jump into this this part and, and we'll actually take a break and then jump into John the Baptist and, and John the the disciples John's story and, and what he shares. 
here we are in the book of John. And the disciple John goes from talking about creation, introducing John the Baptist and, and who Jesus was. And we jump into this part of, of John the Baptist and that the, the Jews thought that he was Elijah, asking him if he was Elijah because they had read the scriptures. They had read the book of Malachi and over and over and over again. And John was in, in the spirit and, and power of Elijah, but he wasn't Elijah and he wasn't the Messiah. And he's testifying about that, that he's the voice of the one calling the desert, make straight the way for the Lord of, of, you know, quoting Isaiah, the prophet, because he knew they would know Isaiah, the prophet. And then they question him. Why is he baptizing if he's not the Messiah, but neither Elijah the prophet. And see, you got to think about in this time, the only kind of baptisms there were was those who wanted to become a Jew. And even then, even when they were baptized, if they were a Gentile, they still couldn't go where the Jews were. They were still considered unclean in a way. They, they couldn't go where it was holy. And so they're wondering why he's baptizing. But John wasn't baptizing to make somebody a Jew. He was baptizing to bring, you know, it was a baptism of repentance. And he, he shares that, that he's not baptizing with water or that he's baptizing with water, but there's one that's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And, and that, and we get into that, um, with Jesus, that he sees Jesus and he's like, here's the lamb of God. And, and we see the description of of the dove coming down upon him as we see in the other three, but he, he shares that, that Jesus is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and, you know, all the Gospels are emphasizing that Jesus is the one who's going to baptize in the, in the Holy Spirit. And this baptism was to be the sign and dynamic mark of the followers of Jesus. It would be poured out on them so that they might carry on his saving work in all the world. And Jesus' task of baptizing in the Spirit is his ongoing purpose throughout this age. When you come become a believer... You know, and you're baptized with water. You know, you you can be bap- baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's there. It's a free gift. And I just challenge you, if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I I just, you know, implore you, do so. Because it's, it's a huge part in your walk. You know, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let's see. I think I was... I was 20. Yeah, I was 20 because I was saved at 18 and it was two years before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit because I didn't understand that. Uh, being raised, you know, with with family members who were in a denomination that was against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then I got in a Pentecostal church and got baptized in the Holy Spirit at the age of 20. And now I'm 28. So it's been eight years and I would not change it because 
the Holy Spirit is, I mean, I wouldn't know or understand the word without the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't be able to write without the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't be able to be who I am without the Holy Spirit or pray without the Holy Spirit because he, he intercedes, you know, and there's been times when I didn't know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit knew how to pray. And I was praying in tons. I didn't know what I was saying, but it was like, okay, yeah. (laughs) And it's just simple. It's, you know, just saying, Lord, you know, this is the gift you have promised the Holy Spirit. I receive it and just have a time of worship. Don't try to rush it, you know, take a time where you can turn on worship music. If you can have somebody else who is baptized with the Holy Spirit there with you to help you in through that, do that. But it's, it's a huge part of, of our walk with God. It, it doesn't mean that if you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you're going to go to hell, No. You know, there's people that I know that accepted Jesus, you know, on their deathbed. They didn't get a chance to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they died. Does that say that they're in hell? No, they're in heaven. But, you know, if you've got a long life to live, it's, it's the greatest thing in our walk to have the Holy Spirit. So jumping back into the book of John, you know, Jesus is baptized. Now, John doesn't talk about doesn't write about Jesus's temptation we don't know why but it's not in there however what he does put in is is Jesus's first year ministry now we know that based on the synoptic gospels that immediately he's taken by the spirit after being baptized and he fasts for 40 days and nights and he's tempted by satan so Jesus' first disciples, and people will go, wait a minute, he didn't call his disciples until he was in Galilee. I think this is an initial calling that happened, um, and that's what most are believing, that this was an initial calling. And at some point, his disciples, they went back, and then there was a second calling. And it kind of coincides because you look here, and there's Simon Peter which, you know, is Peter. And we see this, and then later on in the book of Luke, he's like, I'm a sinful man, which means probably he realized he shouldn't have went back to the fishing business, maybe. That's what we think. But he ends up calling the first disciples. And we see that there's two of of his disciples. Some believe one was John that goes... And then there's, oh, yes, it is. One was John, and then the other one was Andrew, Simon, Peter's brother. And Andrew goes and gets Simon, says, hey, there's the Messiah. And they go and and talk to him and, and start following him. He calls Philip and Nathaniel, and and... This calling is interesting because um, Jesus ends up using a gift of the Spirit, which is the word of of knowledge. That he he says, I saw, you know, 
I saw you under the fig tree. That is him using a gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, that we will go into more detail. And, and I'll kind of point them out as we go. But we'll really go into it when we, we get into 1 Corinthians in that book. Because that's the best time to talk about it. And so he, he calls his initial disciples. And then we get into chapter 2 and it's the first miracle. And people wonder, well, why didn't Jesus, re, or why didn't the other three record the first miracle? Don't know. But John does. He records this first miracle, which is turning water into wine. Does it condone drinking alcohol and getting drunk? No. In that time, they did drink wine because... And we'll see, you know, Paul talks about it to Timothy. It, it helped because in some areas, the water was actually really bad. Now there was what was called unfermented grape juice, which they called wine as well. Um, and actually in this wedding that took place, uh, and it's in Galilee. So he goes from Judea to Galilee for this, this wedding. That his mother is there. And this is just a, a really uh, good story. But you know it was actually a, a disgrace if you ran out of wine. And it was a disgrace if you brought out the best wine first. Or it was actually a disgrace if you didn't bring out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after everybody gets drunk. Has drank and drunk in that stuff. But we see here that Jesus' mother, knowing there's this knowledge that she has, because we've we've seen it, especially in the book of Luke, what what she sees as he was being raised, and that she's like out of faith, tells these servants, listen to him, he knows what to do. And <laughs> And so there's this first miracle of, of the wine. And then they go to Capernaum and then and stay there for a few days. Then they go to the Jewish Passover. And this cleansing of the temple is the first time Jesus cleanses the temple. The other three gospel writers record the second cleansing of the temple. And so... He, he goes into that about Jesus cleansing the temple first time. And he's um, essentially confronted by the Jews. Because they're like, wait a minute, why are you... Because they had been condoning this evil act. And he, in his zeal, he's like, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they they misinterpret what he means he's talking about his body and they didn't realize it until he had been raised from the dead that that piece of scripture came to them and so there's that in the Jewish Passover and we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to go to Jesus um, teaching Nicodemus So we get into chapter 3. Chapter 3 is well known in the book of John because there's a verse in there that's well quoted. 
Um, but it's powerful. But the circumstances that it's you know said needs to be also shared. And it, it talks about Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a man of the Pharisees. And he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So he was way up there. And he goes to Jesus at night. And we're going to continue to refer to Nicodemus. And there's actually a book called Not a Fan by Kyle Edelman that I recommend that you read because it actually goes through Nicodemus's life and, you know, his, his transformation. And I would strongly, strongly read that book. It's a very good book, well-written book. Um, so he, we see he comes to him at night so that the Jewish council wouldn't know he's there. And, you know, how many of us have, you know, showed up to God in, in the secret because we don't want people to know. So he goes to Jesus to get answers. And he goes, you know, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. He says, teacher, he doesn't you know, say, oh, you're the Christ. He says, oh, you're a teacher. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. So he recognizes Jesus as a teacher, but he hasn't recognized him as the Messiah. And Jesus replies, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. And and this confuses Nicodemus and to talk you know there's this born again because he's like wait a minute you can't enter a womb a second time because he didn't understand what Jesus was talking about yes we are born of the flesh but when you know and this is a huge part of this you know podcast that we are a new creation when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior we are reborn of the spirit. Our spirit is reborn. And everything in our past is cleansed away. You know, we're born of the water and of the spirit, which, you know, the water, you know, means natural birth. Others, they believe it signifies spiritual cleansing through the word. And John's gospel of water is often referred to the spirit. So born of the spirit means that is what he's talking about. And so that is what happens in... And he's still confused. And he's and Jesus said, you are Israel's teacher. And do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. You know, he, he because their minds are clouded by Satan. And then there's the well-known verse, you know, John 3, 16, for God. 
God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And it says in there, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He wasn't here to condemn us. We were already condemned before, for, before Jesus came. We were condemned. And it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. So we're not condemned anymore. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God and God's one and only son. So John declares it here in this writing through Jesus's words that he is the one and only son of God. And so, you know, as believers, yes, before we knew Jesus, we stood condemned because of our sins. But. Once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believe in him, you know, he, we're no longer under condemnation of the enemy because our slate has been wiped clean because of the blood. In verse 19, he says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. He's speaking about himself, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through through God. And we see that a fundamental characteristic of the wicked is that they love darkness. You know, we see that in cartoons that, that the bad guy wears black and the good guy wears white. If you've seen that over and over again. You know, the wicked find their pleasure in sin and morality. On the other hand, truly born again persons love righteousness and they hate wickedness. And are grieved when they see the unrighteous deeds of depraved people. You know, a person of righteousness will take no pleasure in in the sensual entertainment or the expression of sinful conduct shown so openly in contemporary society. I, you know, there are things that, and it's really hard for me to find a really good fiction book to read anymore. <laughs> I will find something that seems so interesting, and then I'm like. Nope, and I have to toss it into the trash. People go, why are you doing that? There was trees cut down. Yeah, there were trees cut down, but guess what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put somebody else into bondage. So I end up throwing, throwing books into the trash, and I think I've like thrown so many books away. And in, and when we move, I sit there and I'm packing books, and the Lord speaks to me still, and so my book. Which, you know, makes my husband happy when, when the Lord starts speaking to me. We need to get rid of this book. We need to get rid of this book. Because that's one less book that we have to pack and carry in. So he never throws a fit. He's actually praising Jesus at that point. Because, you know, we're, you know, that's one last thing that he has to carry into the new house. So that's essentially, you know us today you know as believers that we're to not love wickedness we're to be christ-like because we are the light and because of that you know the light of christ shines in us and it actually you know 
makes people go, what's going on in this person life, person's life? You know, it makes them curious. And so, you know, let Christ's light shine through you and you'll see, you know, people will start wondering what is it about you that's so different? And they'll start asking questions. And so be open to that. And if you're living with condemnation because of things in your past or things that have been going on, just know that, you know, when you're, when you have Jesus in your heart and, you know, you've asked for forgiveness of sins, you're no longer under that condemnation. And that's a, a weapon of the enemy is to make you feel condemned. You know, if you've sinned, the Holy Spirit will convict you of, of your sin. And that's just because the Lord loves you and he wants you to be in right standing before him. And because of that conviction, you'll actually turn to him. Condemnation makes you feel like you need to run away. And so if you feel like running away from the Lord, that is the enemy after you. Where, And so just run back to the Lord. And, and when you ask for forgiveness, it's done. It's over. There's nothing, anything more. You don't have to sacrifice a lamb like they did and in the Old Testament, it's it's done. It's already been covered by, by Jesus, who is the Lamb of God. And so that's just something that we have. And so this is practically what we were going to talk about. And so we're going to go, uh, we're going to continue on in the book of John for, for next week. And uh, it's going to kind of be broken down little bit by little bit. There's going to be a huge chapter with John chapter 6. But that's what we're going to do is we're going to continue on in verse 22 of chapter 3 of John. And we're going to end at, we're going to go through chapter 6, which chapter 6 is 71 verses. So feel free to break it apart as much as you need. But we will discuss those things in the, on next Friday. And so I'm going to end in a prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are and Lord, I just praise you for what you are doing in our lives. And, and that, Lord, we just thank you, God, that you did send your one and only son to the world to save all. You know, we think about today with the riots, Lord, and the Black Lives Matter. But, Lord, when you sent Jesus on this world to die on the cross, you made a statement that all lives matter. No matter what the color of the skin is and no matter what gender we are. Lord, no matter where our background is, Jesus died for all of us and he was raised from the dead. And Lord, I pray against the enemy's lies that bring condemnation, Lord. We just come against those in the name of Jesus, Lord God, and that Lord, I just pray that your love and your grace and truth would just surround us. Continue as we read, you know, continue to bring revelation into our hearts of of who you are. And we just thank you, God, for what you're doing and continue to do in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Have a great weekend and a whole week, all of you, and be blessed. Mm-hmm.